July 7th, 2019. The Nationals roar into the All-Star break with a 28-11 run, a 123-win pace that puts them five games over 500 and in first place in the National League wildcard. We recap the first half so far. From Bethesda, Maryland, it's Jacob Rash. From New York, New York, it's Johnny Rash. And this is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi there, and welcome back to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So as you can see, we still haven't changed the name for this week. Still the Rashcast as of now. Uh, we're still working on it. But yeah. uh, more importantly, the Nats go... Five and one on the six-game homestand. They sweep the Marlins. They take two of three from the Royals. They finish the first half with 47 wins against 42 losses, and uh, they are now in first place in the wild card and second place in the NLE. Six games behind the Braves heading into the break. And uh, what do you make of that, John? Well, also depending how things turn out today, they could finish with the third best record in in the National League. Um, we're recording this before the end of the... Oh, no, the Cubs game went final. The Nationals are entering the the uh, All-Star break with the third-best record in the National League. Yeah. And if you told me before the season we'd have the third-best record in the National League, I'd be like, that's pretty good. Well, you know? I mean, I, I don't I don't want to make it sound like all that because... No, no, I no, mean, no, no, no. They I wasn't are... done. I wasn't done. Okay. Um, you know, but then you look at the record, you look at our position... We're six backs of, of the Braves. We are, you know, if we were in the American League, we'd have the eighth best record. We're five games over. I I would say that you know, consi- considering where we were, are where we were in May, this is you know fantastic. I am ecstatic of where we are now. If you told me at the beginning of the season this is where we'd be now, I would be okay. I'd be you know, there's still plenty of season left. This. Um, you know, we're only we are six back of the Braves. We're, I would say this team is. I would put. I would say it's probably. It's likely not likely. I'd say it's about 70 percent chance that the Nats are a playoff team at this point. Um, and Fangraphs would agree with you. Uh, as yeah. of this morning, the Fangraphs playoff odds had the Nats at, I think it was seventy four percent playoffs. I don't know yeah. that I agree with that. I think that might be a little high, considering the quality of the... I mean, listen, the Phillies have looked absolutely terrible, but they are more talented than they've been playing like. Uh, it's it's true that their pitching has not been what they thought it would be. Uh, Nola seems to be locking it back in, but just as he's doing that, Jake Arrieta is uh, melting down in more ways than one. Uh, melting down. Yes. Be- Beat up uh, Todd Frazier yesterday. Beat up? No, no, no. Beating up someone. Threatening to beat someone up is fine. He threatened to put a dent in his skull. Yeah. Uh, And he's got bone spurs in his elbow, which requires surgery. He he may go in now. I mean, it's clear from how he's pitching that he can't pitch effectively with those bone spurs in his elbow. Uh, So they don't have the starting pitching people may have thought that they did. Uh, I mean... Back-end starting pitching was always going to be a, a problem for them. But the bigger problem is that they're not hitting the way that people thought they would. And, you know, you can directly tie that to Andrew McCutcheon going down. But uh, the truth is that they have got a lot of talent on that roster still. 
that needed to step up that didn't, but could still do it. I mean, Bryce Harper is still very, very talented. He can carry a team almost by himself if he gets hot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you've also got you've got the Cubs, you've got the Brewers, if we're, we're talking about the wild card. And then, you know, the Nets are by no means out of the division race. Uh, I'd say maybe one in five, one in four odds at making that happen. Listen, they've got 14 games against the Braves in the second half. If they can go nine and five in those 14 games, then they're, you know, they've just got to pick two games up elsewhere. So it's, it's certainly not impossible. It's, no. it's very much doable. Do I think they're going to do it? I don't know. But, uh, I mean, listen, they were 19 and 31 in the last week of May. They have rolled off a, an unbelievable uh, stretch where they've played for about, let's see, it's about 40 games. They have played in 123 win pace for a mm. quarter of a season. I didn't think that was possible. I, I didn't see that happening, but it did. Uh, and the point of this is that's what they needed to do just to get themselves back into it. And they did it. And now they're most certainly back into it. But uh, this is still a very flawed roster. But, uh, I mean... We were talking off air before this, you know. We're an injury or two away from turning, you know, from everything going wrong. And it doesn't even have to be to like a Max Scherzer. It could be to Steven Strasburg, you know, right. even Annabelle Sanchez. If we lose him right now, you really lose a lot of you, then you're pitching Fetty and Voth, who have not looked good this year, right back in two of your three games. And one of the biggest things during this stretch has been the Nats starting pitching. Yeah. Um since May twenty fifth when the Nats, you know, that's when the everything changed. Um our starting pitching has been uh, top two in baseball behind the Dodgers. Um, and a lot of that's coming from, you know, Corbin's right of the ship. He's looked great his last couple times out there. Uh, Strasburg uh, looked good his last time, but hasn't been great. Sanchez has looked great since coming off the IL. Um, and obviously Max Scherzer. Uh, you know, we all know what he's doing right now. So those Factors, you know, this rotation, you have three guys in that rotation who have a history of a lot of injuries. And it's still a very terrifying question mark. Now, if let's say they get injured in the next you know, week or two, there's plenty of starting pitching out there if we like lost a Corbin or Sanchez where we could recover. But after that, we're, we'd be in trouble. We really would be if we lost a guy. So it's not just uh, starting rotation. Uh, yeah. yeah, if the Nets lose any one of their four starters, they're in a lot of trouble. I mean, uh, Sanchez, since coming back from the DL, has an ERA of 218 in uh, seven starts, uh, in which time the team has gone 6-1 and one in those starts. The one that they lost was definitely not attributable to Sanchez. That was the biggest bull bullpen meltdown of this stretch uh, against the Braves. Uh, but... Mm -hmm. uh, so any one of their four uh, starters, anyone on the left side of the diamond for them, shortstop Turner, the third baseman Rendon, left fielder Soto, 
Uh, they have no one to step up for any of those guys. Uh, their their depth is really questionable. Uh, listen, they've they've played Turner every single game since he has come back from the IL. Not only that, but they have for the vast majority of that time not even carried a backup shortstop. Uh, they not played until this week. Right, not until Scherzer decided to go on paternity leave, mm-hmm. uh, and they have you know a passable backup third baseman in Kendrick. Uh, they almost all of the Nats' depth right now is at first base. Uh, so I, I have a couple of people complaining to me about Ryan Zimmerman still being on this roster, to which I say, I understand. Listen, you've got two first basemen, both of whom are playing well. Uh, and, you know, so Kendrick has some positional flexibility, but he can't play the outfield anymore. Uh, Matt Adams should never play the outfield, should never have played the outfield. Uh, so you've got Zimmerman there. Uh, and yeah, he's going to take at bats from those two guys. Uh, and yeah, you could make the argument that even against lefties, uh, Zimmerman is not your best option, that a, a Dozier Kendrick, uh, right side of the infield would be your best option. But on the other hand, Ryan Zimmerman can still hit. And mm-hmm. every time he's been healthy, including last year, he's hit. Uh, and, you know, he, he's come off the DL and he's looked pretty good. He had three yeah. doubles in his last start on Friday. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there's a way to make it work uh, with all of Dozier, Adams, Kendrick, and Zimmerman still seeing the field enough, especially since two of those guys are, are old and decrepit. Mm-hmm. Uh but the point is the Nets have a lot of depth concentrated on one area of the field and very little depth for the rest of the field. And you've got this sort of insane roster construction where uh, three out of the four guys on your bench when the Nets have been carrying a four-man bench uh, for most of this stretch, three of the four men on your bench play a good deal of first base. Uh, so they've got that flaw with the roster. They've got depth problems. Uh, but on the other hand, they're playing really, really well right now. And this is a team with a ton of talent when everything is going right for them. They can, I mean, as you've just seen over this last 40 game stretch, they can really turn it on. Yeah. And and not just that, it's, this team's also a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, I think since the Nats, since 2012, you know, after, since the 2012 season, because 2012 was, of course, an incredible season. Um, and I think this is the most fun team we've had. Uh, you know, we got a lot of different personalities and they're all, you know, not just, you know, fun, but they're hilarious. I mean, Brian Dozier, Dan twerking in the dugout. He's just, you know, a good, lighthearted guy. And I think even in Gerardo Parra, too, I getting him, I think, kind of changed the clubhouse culture. Uh, it really, you know, there started to be a levity in the t- games. Um, I love the dancing in the clubhouse because it shows, you know, how loose the guys are in there. Um, it's just a lot of fun players playing well, having, you know, a good time out there. And it really coordinates the fun baseball. And Sean Doolittle said today that this was the best win of the year today. And I, I agree because 
you know, everyone looked like they were having, it was everyone like they played well. They, everyone looked like they're having fun. It was just, I don't know. I like this team a lot. I'm really a big fan of them. It's, it's a lot of fun. They are a very fun group. And, and listen, I did not see Brian Dozier being the type of player that he has been where he is just, Mm -hmm. you know, managed to, I didn't know that he spoke Spanish. Obviously I'm sure that the, the Nats did before they brought him in, but, uh, you know the the kind of player who can bridge the divide between a very, you know, a very heavily. Uh, li- I mean, most of the young talent on this roster is Latino. Obviously, uh, Robles and Soto are both Dominican. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, Dozier and Para have been so key in in bridging that divide. And listen, we have to give some credit to Davey Martinez, who has done a very good job making it so that all the players seem to like each other. Now, on the other hand, he still struggles with the kind of communication, in-game communication, that you need out of a manager. Uh, He has, out of an abundance of caution, pitched... uh, Doolittle in five-run games, four-run games, and three-run games against the Marlins all in this two-week stretch, uh, after which Doolittle finally had to say through the media, listen, I'm gassed, which got him three days off. Uh, but, you know, as a result, you know, he pitched him in three games that he didn't need to pitch him in, and as a result, he pitched five out of eight days in that stretch, uh, which given his injury history, he should clearly not be doing. This is a closer who should be handled with as much care as possible. Uh, and, like, it's true that that Davey has shown himself to be pretty good at the other kind of communication, the other kind of dugout communication, but he still struggles with those sort of, you know, knowing your relievers and knowing who needs what playing time and who needs to pitch when, uh, yeah. that... That is a mark of a good manager. Speaking uh, of which, it was nice to see that uh, Tony Zip and Matt Grace were still alive. Yeah. Uh, Matt Grace didn't pitch for 13 days and then went back to back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with, with your assessment of Davey. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season when everything was going wrong, his bullpen mistakes, of course, were more profound and... It was funny though. Even when the bullpen was making mistakes, the what he was making bullpen mistakes, those mistakes weren't even costing games. Right. I it's mean, not be, not directly. Not directly. Yeah. Um, now it's going to be interesting. There's been a lot of you know since yeah in the stretch there have been a lot of bullpen mistakes that Davey has made. A lot of times where there've been really tight jams for a lot of relievers and they've gotten out of it. But once we get back from this, the All Star break, it's a tough schedule ahead. Uh, you got the Phillies, uh, you got the Braves. You got, I mean, you got in between the Orioles, which is yeah. a nice break. Then you got the you got the Dodgers coming up. You got the right. Rockies. So the the Nats come out of the out of the All Star break with a nine game, eight game, nope, nine game road trip against the Phillies, the Orioles, and the Braves. And then they've got uh, ten at home against the Rockies, Dodgers, and Braves. Uh, and that's how they finish out July. And so that's 19 games, uh, I guess, 17 of which are against 
what you would call tough teams. And the truth is, the Rockies and the Phillies are both right around 500, but they're what pass it for tough in the National League. Uh, But uh, the problem here is that I think this is where you were going with this, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, this is the bullpen that Davey Martinez is going to have, at least for the majority of this stretch. And this is this is a make or break stretch for the Nats for the whole season. Uh, I think they they pretty much need to be over 500 in this stretch. You know, I, I would take 10 and nine, but uh, you know, it's a very tough stretch with only those two games against the Orioles, which you would call you know easy games. Uh, and this is the team that Davey Martinez is going to have, and so. Listen, Fernando Rodney has stepped up. He's looked very good. There's there's no reason he can't be good for the remainder of the season. fastball, yeah. Exactly. The way his stuff looks, I don't see any reason why he can't. Yeah. He's still Fernando Rodney. He's st- he's been good in the past. Uh, he's also been DFA'd in the past and bounced back. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's just who Fernando Rodney is. Rodney was DFA'd in 2011, uh, and then in 2012 put up the greatest, arguably greatest relief season in history. Uh, or at least in terms of modern closer usage. Uh, so he's got one new toy, and David does seem to get sort of infatuated with new toys. Uh, see Rainey. him, what? Tanner Rainey. Rainey. I was I was also thinking of the fact that you know once uh, once Venters showed up, he seemed to forget that Tony Sip existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, the, this is a big stretch in the season, and the the Nats are going to have to, for the majority of it, make do with what they have. Yeah. Because um, it seems unlikely that help's going to come over the break. Uh, right. Because there's nothing. I mean, last year the Nats made an early trade with Kelvin Herrera, which was the right move. Fortunately, it didn't work out the way that they hoped. Uh, but yeah, help doesn't seem like it's coming. The trade market has been kind of very quiet, even with rumors so far. I know it's we're two weeks away. We're still three weeks away, sorry, um, from from the deadline. But still, there are usually some murmurs. I think there's going to be a very not very many guys in the move this deadline. Well, and so I think guys like you know Bumgarner will go on the move. I think they'll have a few big names, but the relief market, especially, there aren't many guys out there who teams are going to trade for. That's unless teams exactly are going right. to reach uh, and overpay for mediocre players. I don't well, really see an active trade market. I, I got to imagine that someone will because the, there are so many teams, so many contending teams that really desperately need bullpen help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the truth is there's not a ton of help out there. Uh, you know, we're talking Will Smith, Ken Giles, Shane Green, all of whom have big question marks around them. Uh, maybe Smith has the fewest. Uh, but, you know, this isn't, you know, and then you've got the second tier. You've got Jake Diekman. You've got Sergio Romo. This isn't, you know, 2016 when you could get Araldus Chapman at the deadline, mm-hmm. uh, a real shutdown closer. Uh, those guys aren't moving. But, uh, I mean, the truth is the Nats have a fifth starter opening. They have a huge gaping hole at fifth starter. Uh, what with, you know, Hellickson miles away from returning and Fetty and Voth both struggling. Uh, it may be easier 
for them to trade for a frontline starter than it I'm would sure be. Sure, that side. Yeah, uh, but on the other hand, that doesn't fix the bullpen, and the bullpen is still an issue if you have, you know, Bumgarner or Stroman, and I and I wouldn't even recommend that. Uh, I'm just saying that there is more frontline starting pitching talent available than frontline bullpen talent, which yeah. is just it's something to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, assessment. I think it might. I think maybe you go all in on starting pitching with everybody's bullpen being bad. It would help us a lot if our bullpen could be good, but our bullpen isn't going to be good no matter what we do. Unless no. we get like three guys from the Yankees, our bullpen's never going to be good. Right. So there, there is no Doolittle and Matson trade that you can make this year. No. So either you double down, da- either you, you know try to piece together a bullpen or you double down and you double down on strength. Yep. Um, you know, I just miss the days of guys in the August trade days when guys like, um, Mark Raskinski and, uh, who else do we get in August trades? Matt Thornton would come along and just be solid pieces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but the, the truth is that guys like Zepchinski and Thornton, would be major gets uh, right now. This it's just there's a a real lack of good bullpen trade options out there, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, Will Smith is obviously better than Matt Thornton, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, you've got Brandon Kinsler, who is like uh uh like a a last ditch option, one of the like lower tier options in 2017, and then now, a guy like Kinsler, we'll call him Shane Green, uh, is is one of the more coveted options. So it's just, and I don't, I don't really know why it is uh, that there aren't a lot of good bullpen options out there, but uh, it just seems to be, you know, there's there's better talent on the starting pitching end that's available yeah. than on the bullpen end. Yeah. Well, so now that we're looking, you know, we've recapped kind of the Nats 2019 season so far. Uh, what do you, what do you think about uh, any other surprises so far in, in baseball, anything else you've seen that kind of stood out to you so far in the first half? Well, uh, you know, I, I would probably say the Rangers, Mm-hmm. Uh, and listen, they've been slumping lately. They've they've had a bad week and a half, uh, and they're now, uh, I think, five games over five hundred. I'm not sure how the they played the Twins today. I'm not sure how that went. Uh, but the big surprise there, and if they continue to slide, you don't want to talk about front line starting pitching being available. Uh, the big surprises that they've had are are Lance Lynn and Mike Miner, and obviously. Lynn is, you know, his war totals are mostly fueled by his peripherals. His ERA is not that great. And with minor, it's almost the reverse, where uh, his peripherals are not as good as his really, really low ERA. But, uh, I mean, it's just been, it's been amazing to watch because this is a guy that was sort of left for dead. You know, he missed two seasons with various elbow and, you know, 
all kinds of issues. Uh, and now he's back and he's better than he ever has been. Unless he's got a, a year and a half left, I believe, on that contract. Uh, he might be a very valuable trade target. Uh, I mean, it's it's affordable. I don't know if it's affordable for the Nats because they are so close to the luxury tax threshold. But, um, you know, he's got uh, these due 14, 15 million over the next two years combined. Uh, you know, 10 million this year, 10 million next. So it, it might be, you know, worthwhile especially since he's not a rental. He's a guy that would be around next year for the, the Rangers to explore a deal there. Uh, but, you know, at least for the time being, at least for the next two, two and a half weeks, I would ride it out. I mean, I know that there are a lot of teams vying for that second wild card spot that are probably more talented than the Rangers. I mean, certainly more talented than the Rangers. Got both the, you know, we've got the Indians, We've got the Red Sox, we've got the A's, uh, all of whom were playoff teams last year. But uh, I always like a surprise, and I'm having fun watching these guys. So, uh, yeah, so Miner and Lynn are my, my big surprise picks. Yeah. Um, something that I've been surprised at has been, you know, how mediocre a lot of these, how many of the mediocre teams like the Nats the Indians, it's not really a surprise, actually. I changed my mind. It was kind of expected. These teams kind of riding the ship uh, and figuring it out. I didn't like the Indians at all this year. And I picked them to win the division only because I thought the Twins were going to be worse. But I actually think the Twins, it changed my mind. The Indians have been kind of surprised to me because they're playing better than I thought they would, especially with all their injuries. Um, you know, they really were banking on they're starting pitching this year, carrying them. And Kluber was bad before he got hurt. Carrasco, you know, he's got all of his issues. He's, you know, he's getting better now, which is very good news. Yeah, um, I mean, leukemia is not one of those things that you can... No, I you mean, can't predict that. Right. And, you know, Bauer hasn't been as good as he was last year. And he's been better as of late. He had a great start today. Um but they still have managed to to be 12 over 500. They're still six back of the Twins. They're on a six-game winning streak right now. I think that the Indians will pass the Twins at some point and win the division. Uh, and if you said that going into the season, you know you wouldn't have been that surprised. But you know, considering where they were half at the point where the Nats were too, I think the way that they turned their season around, you know, there's a lot on the manager Terry Francona, who's a great manager. And, you know, it also, you know, I forgot Jose Ramirez being terrible this year. Right. You know, they their stars haven't been playing, and yet they're still 12 games over 500. And with a real and with a real shot, I think, of passing the Twins. Cause the I Twins mean, been... listen, the Twins have righted the ship a little bit. They were struggling a little. I mean, they're mm -hmm. it's, it's, by the way, a 1-1 game, Rangers-Twins in the ninth. As uh, we're recording this. As we're recording this. Uh, but... I don't know. I mean, the Twins are playing still pretty well. Uh, obviously, on paper, you didn't think that the Indians were more talented than the Twins. But on paper, you didn't have Corey Kluber getting drilled with a line drive uh, with, you know, Tony Clevenger being in and out of, uh, you know, the rotation with, obviously, with 
Carlos Carrasco getting leukemia. Uh, so I, I don't know that on paper right now with the injuries that they have, the Indians are more talented than the Twins. Especially since, you know, the the Twins look like geniuses right now for not only for all their little moves that they made, but especially for the two extensions. You know, mm-hmm. Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler are both all-stars. Uh, yep. So, Well, no, Kepler's the, not, but... No, Kepler was, uh, I thought, named the all-star team. Uh, as a replacement for someone. Uh, I don't think so. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. No, anyway. I guess not. Okay, not important, but he was certainly all-star caliber. Yeah. Uh, the point is that, you know, they're, they're going to be, depending on the outcome of this game, five and a half to six and a half up on the Indians. So I don't, I don't know if I agree with you, but, uh, it's a shame. It's, I don't know. It's, I'm torn on this one because the Indians, I, I find it funny that the Indians tried to build a team to win a terrible division with the assumption that the division would be terrible and then all of a sudden the division wasn't as bad as they thought it would be. Uh, and, you know, they may end up losing the division by a couple of games because it's almost like the uh, the 2008 Mets, or not Mets, the 2008 Twins, when they dealt uh, Johan Santana and then lost the division by the exact number of wins that Johan Santana mm-hmm. would have given them. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've been impressed by their resiliency as much as I dislike their whole offseason strategy and dislike Trevor Bauer. Yes. All right. Uh, well, so do you want to do a couple of fun predictions for the second half other than Indians overtaking the, the twins? Sure. Um, fun predictions. Let's see. I think that, uh, I don't know how fun this is, but I think Scherzer's going to win the Cy Young. I mean, we've talked about that before. I think Scherzer, Cy Young. I think, you know, Yelich probable MVP. Although, I think... You think Yelich over, uh, over uh, Bellinger? Bellinger? Depends how the team's finished. I know Bellinger has a higher war right now. Uh, you know, I think it's close. You know, they're only... They're the same OPS. Um, I think, you know, maybe if the Dodgers win, you know win 100-plus games, I'd give it to Bellinger, actually. So, I mean, that's a favorite right now, though. Those aren't fun. Although I do think you could make a legitimate case for Max Scherzer MVP. It's going to be hard to make that case against Cody Bellinger with the season he's having. Right. If Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich weren't having the season that they're having, it would be a more easy case to make. Um, you know, those aren't fun predictions. Let me see if I have any fun predictions. Uh... Let's see. I think that I mean, I my predictions aren't fun though. I got the Yankees winning the World Series. Uh, yeah, that's not fun at all. Yeah, I'm not fun. I I kind of agree with you there. Yeah, they're they're really something. I think they're a really interesting team. Uh, you probably. I mean, I don't know. The Dodgers are really good this year as well. Yeah, but I think the Yankees are more have more to them with their offense. I mean, the it, Dodgers got a deep offense too, but I think the the Yankees how how many guys. They have that can take you deep. There's no soft spot in that lineup. It's really incredible. Well, it's uh, 2019. Anyone can take anyone deep at any time, is which true. is another amazing thing about Max Scherzer. I mean, Scherzer had a home run problem. Then they juiced the ball. 
And then Scherzer solved his home run problem. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I should mention about Max Scherzer, because I think this is a fun stat, that uh, with his start yesterday, Max Scherzer passed the 60 B-War threshold, which is the sort of line that some people draw for the Hall of Fame. Uh, and he's, you know, still pitching as good or better than he ever has been. Which again, we could we could make every single podcast a conversation about Max Scherzer, uh, but just to throw that in there because I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, what about you? Do you have any fun predictions? I'm I let you down there. I'm sorry. None of those predictions were fun. No, I uh, have very blasé predictions. I mean, nothing I could disagree with, but yeah, uh, you got to try harder for fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think. Let's see. You go. I'll think while you go. What is my fun? What is my fun prediction? My fun prediction that I don't know if I necessarily believe but would like to be true is that I think the Reds will win the NL Central. Oh, I was about to say I think the Pirates are going to win the NL Central. That's less fun. I think the Reds would be more fun because the Reds Reds are an incredibly fun team. They are fun. Did you see their sleeveless jerseys today? I saw their sleeveless jerseys today. It was for you. It was because I actually own one of those jerseys. Yeah. Uh, or a very similar one. But, uh, yeah, I think that... Yeah, the, the NL Central will be is going to be the most fun division because you still have four teams that are really in it. Yeah, I mean, none of them are, are particularly good, uh, but they're all kind of fun in their own way. Uh, yeah. And I would just... You know, the Reds have that positive run differential. They've got a bunch of very fun players. Their pitching staff is way better than it has any business being. Uh, and I just, I love the fact that a team, excuse me, a team went for it on a short-term, you know, one-year basis and uh, put together a team this fun, and I would really love to see that rewarded. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I think the Pirates will win. I like the Pirates. I think Josh Bell is a bona fide, you know, top-five MVP candidate. Um way he's been able to put that team in front but it's also the depth that the pirates have uh guys like brian reynolds who nobody's talking about who's been fantastic you know kevin newman's been great these guys that they got in these trades for garrett cole and andrew mccutcheon have have turned out to be pretty good uh, so while i don't you know necessarily agree with the fact that they sold those guys i think cole it's still more valuable to your team than any of the guys they got for him. Right. Because Cole's, you know, maybe the favorite for the AL Cy Young this year. Um, I, no, he's not. Who is? It's got to be Verlander. Verlander, Cole, one, two. I Cole's mean. Been fantastic. Have you seen his strikeout numbers? The strikeout numbers are there. The ERA is a little inflated. Yeah. I think that I, you could make an argument. He's the, Which is, the top pitching war in baseball. Well, the, the funny thing about. Verlander is that Verlander has been as good as he's been with the ERA that he has, uh, allowing a uh, a AL leading twenty two home runs, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean it's almost like Robin Roberts for the Dinger Ball era, where he's just allowing a ton of solo home runs. Uh, yeah. But it's just it's very funny because he's never really had a home run problem in the past, but everyone's got home run problems now. Yeah. Um, I just think I like the Pirates a lot. I think they're a really interesting team. With a lot of good players. A lot of players maybe outperforming their their actual abilities, but 
it's working for them. I mean, they're they're in the thick of it right now. So that's my fun prediction. Both with the we're sticking with the NL Central, but you know, Pirates two and a half back of of first place as of now. So yeah, I mean, the Brewers and the Cubs are underwhelming. Uh, the Brewers really desperately need another starting pitcher, and I just haven't gotten the sense that they're going to get one. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun division full of flawed but interesting teams. I mean, that's that's the NL for you. The NL has two very bad teams, although one of them isn't even as bad as I thought they would be. The Giants are only nine games under five hundred, eight games under five hundred. Uh, and, and even the I mean, the Marlins don't have a good record, but they're a lot more competitive than they thought they would be. Well, they've got good starting pitching, which keeps uh, you in ball games. Yeah. Uh, only to lose them by slim margins. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the NL has two great teams, two bad teams, and then a whole lot of stuff in the middle. And we should probably, if we're counting the Giants as bad, uh, the Mets have somehow fallen behind the Giants in the standings. Wow. And they are Second just a train wreck. Just yeah. amazing. I mean, they have they've gone full-blown Mets in... In all the ways happen. you would expect and then some. You did tell me that. I have been so wrong about the Mets. I gave them an A- minus for their offseason. I loved the... I, I liked the Cano-Diaz trade because I thought Cano had something left. I didn't love that they gave up major prospects just to offload some salary. But uh, I, I liked the trade. And I thought it was a cool win-now move. And not, I mean, so rarely in this life do you see a trade backfire almost immediately, completely spectacularly in every possible way that it could. Uh, You know, Don and Kalenic are both the futures game, both raking. Uh, You've got... uh, You've got Jay Bruce, a guy they just threw in his ballast to balance out the, tr- the the money. You got him now killing it for a division rival. Uh, this weekend, too, against them. Yeah, he hit a home run against them today. You've got Edwin Diaz being unexpectedly, un- inexplicably awful. Just, yeah. like, truly terrible. Not even just, like, bad. He's, like, ERA in the fives bad. Uh, and then, of course, you have Cano, who's at four home runs all year. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you do about Brody, who is throwing chairs and stuff, seemingly miserable at this job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know what you do with Mickey Calloway. And I, two years ago when they hired him, I thought that was a great move. You know, they had a, a good young pitching staff, and Callaway had this great reputation with pitchers. Uh, and then that didn't work. Nope. So it's amazing. It's, it's the- like even when they make the right move, it just immediately and spectacularly backfires. And it's like everything the Wilpons touch turns to garbage, like as fast as possible. Mm hmm. All right. Well, before we go, one last thing. Who do you think is going to win the home run derby tomorrow? I got to go with Alonzo. I'm going Acuna. Uh, I think he's got. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, right. I'd love to. I'd love to have Vlad do it, but I, I got to go with Alonzo. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's the episode for today. Um, we'll be back again next week with a whole new episode, surprisingly. Yep. Um, so we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy.